We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Welcome to issue 587 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I was totally ready. And I'm your other, other host, Cable Hashitani. Should have known. Sorry, Bean. And hi, I'm Norm from Texas, your special Texas correspondent. That's right. Hey. Oh, in my head, I hear like the Daily Show. I hear like... Can't how many more, otherwise we will get sued. If, yeah. I, I always go with uh, Muppet News Flash from Sesame Street. <laughs> hey, oh, this is Kermitty um, Frog here with him. Muppet News Flash. Man, who's more litigious, Paramount or Disney? Disney. <sighs> Disney. Who are you kidding here? Disney. But you can get away with a little. Few, you can get, always get away with a few bars. That's the rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, at this point, it's just like everything is going to end up on. Uh, last week tonight, and you're going to have to have a British guy break it down, talk to us about it, about why it's bad, and find the humor in it. But ultimately, the message has got to get across that sometimes we can't escape our fate. Man, that was very Sarah Connor of you. That's actually the opposite of Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor taught John that there is no fate but what we make. Oh, I guess that's true. And yet, and, and, he still died. Dun, 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 dun. But that's because true. everybody dies. That's yeah. True. I, mean, I was getting more of a deep thoughts by Jack Handy kind of vibe. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That, like... If I have to go with something, it's Jack Handy. We are we are all over the pop culture I, um, reference I, map this evening. Yes, I will still randomly reference my favorite Jack Handy quote of all time that I heard like my fucking sophomore year of high school, mm-hmm. and it's the one of they say there's a little bit of God in all of us. Well, I hope he likes burritos because that's what he's having for tonight. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> 
That's a good one. I like that. It's stuck in my head for damn near, no, for 30 years, that stupid thing has been in my head. Because it always has a signature, Deep Thoughts by Jess Candy. Over like a beach, right? It was always over a beach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With only one pairs of footprints, because that's when the sand people were trying to hide their numbers. That's why they walk single file. That's right. <clears throat> Hello there. General Kenobi. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you were going to do it. Well, hi, everybody. How are things going in uh, this wonderful, wily world we've living in now? Uh, well, fine, I think. Ish. <laughs> I only have two, maybe three more days at my job. That's, hey, that's cheers good. to that. Yay. That, that's why I made a martini tonight. I was cheering your good oh. news. Yes, I, that's, that's why. I I got paid today. So always good. Always that nice was good. Feeling. And all my bills are paid. And uh, I guess it's time to just start. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to wear a mask anymore, Norm, because COVID has been fixed in Texas. Woo. I gotta go. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I'm. Listen, Greg Abbott has the, the searing hate that comes out at that guy. I mean, I, I'm willing to bet he's probably getting it on all sides, but. At, at at a certain point, it's like, how many times should you listen to somebody or people that are experts that say, hey, if we do all the stuff that we need to do, this can go away in a certain amount of time, but certain people don't want to do that. They don't want to listen. They, they're going to do their own thing. Which is great if you believe in the mythos of Texas, which is, it's pretty much like self-reliance. That's, it's a major core tenet of what Texans believe is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been, hasn't been much working out. right now, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> hasn't been working out so well. Uh, it's, it's like when I heard like, we're going to be like the Alamo and we're going to protect it. And everyone's like, they lost the Alamo. Like they won it's, the war, but they lost at the Alamo. Okay, I, I like with your deep, with your Jackie and D deep thoughts uh, <laughs> burrito statement. Um, I always remember the line that always stuck with me was from Necessary Roughness, in which somebody just goes, "Hey, it's going to be like the Alamo," and some guy just turns around and goes. We were the home team in the Alamo, and we <laughs> lost. <laughs> um, it's I just it amazes me that my state has is the headquarters of NASA. I always forget that. Yeah, it's like literally we have a building full of smart people that can shoot stuff out into space and land it on another planet and get 4k panoramas of another planet well 
a lot of that was JPL, which is California. But True. I get what you, I get what you mean. But when I when I read that he was going to take away it, the mask mandate goes away next Wednesday, and they're going to open the state up. They're going to do everything, and people that have followed the rules who haven't gotten COVID, who have been staying at home and just going to work, you know, wearing the mask, using all of your, like all of your wits and pretty much just like slathering your hands in hand sanitizer and washing We've been doing that for so long. It's just like, when I read it, I was just like, another hurdle. I've got to jump another hurdle because it's just going to be a horde of maskless people who they think that they're doing right. And I, I get it. But at a certain point, it's just like, when are we going to realize that maybe, just maybe, we should listen to the smartest people in the room. It's okay to do that sometimes. Well, that's how NASA happened. The, the whole vibe of this it reads to me like when you ground your kid for fucking up, you know, like big time, like grounded for a month because you really fucked up this time. But then they're moping around the house, bitching and moaning. You get tired of it. And so you lift the, the sentence before the time has been served and without them having learned a lesson, um, just so you don't have to fucking deal with it anymore. Like, okay, we're not going to make you wear masks anymore, but you should still be wearing a mask. Like nobody learned anything. And, and the whole thing is so, so arbitrary. Like if, if I can, uh, what's different next Wednesday? That is it. That's from today. Nothing. If I can expound on your analogy, Denise, if you go back even further, whatever the kid did to get grounded in the first place, they learned at home. They learned from the parents. Which means we need to go back further than just you you can't you can't do this, you're in trouble. Okay, I'm tired of you bitching. It's because you were told that this is okay in the first place. This behavior is okay to begin with. Yeah. And like we talk about how Texas believes in self-reliance, but that's just magnified in Texas. That's the core tenet of the United States is that you bring yourself by, up by your own bootstraps. You, um, you are self-reliant. You don't need anyone else. You can succeed on your own. You can live the American dream. And all of that is false. All of it. Um, and and like I was saying, I think it just gets magnified in the state of Texas because everything is bigger in Texas. I've been there. It's true. Like, right. It, it's, I, it's not a, like, it's not an exaggeration. There's a lot of great things about Texas. And I was, I was there years ago and very briefly, but same. I, I, I really feel for everyone who's living through this right now. Yeah. That's what, that's what, freaks me out um well really quick i remember i just read that like one of his reasonings behind it is that new cases like took a pretty steep nosedive 
And then like health officials were like, yes, because no one went anywhere for two weeks. We were all freezing to death. Mm -hmm. That's why they went down. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wonder if part of this is him kind of knowing he'll earn brownie points by to save his own ass because he royally fucked up. That's definitely like the the lead speculation from. from Look at me! I gave you more freedom. It's like, oh well, this will this was a nice way to deflect anger off of all of the death and misery that everyone just went through by giving people what they want, even though it's bad. I mean, to be fair, that wasn't entirely his fault. Part of that was set up by George W. Bush when he was governor. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it took place during the. During his tenure as governor, they started mm-hmm. to go, hey, we may need to upgrade our electrical grid. And we've, we've pretty much, we've we built our electrical grid to handle the summers here. Mm-hmm. It's and, extreme heat, good to go. Yeah. In extreme heat, I can run my air conditioner like all day long. Granted, my power bill is going to be insanely off the charts. I can do it if I want to, but <clears throat> basically, it, he he was trying to do what he felt was right, and I I. With Texas politics, it's always been you have to be the most vicious viper in the viper pit. And it's it's all business first. And sometimes people get left in the backseat. And, I mean, it's like I I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing, which is wear the mask. Sanitize my hands, wash my hands, limit myself to not going out at night. Or if a friend wants to come over, we we have enough space in our backyard that we can socially distance. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep <clears throat> doing what I've been doing, but just be slightly more vigilant. That's I mean that's smart. I think the thing that really scares me is that you know, wearing them has not been outlawed. It's just the state mandate. So a private store is still free to force it, but you're get like, people are going to get more violent now because of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel really bad for the fucking more so than usual for the minimum wage restaurant or bar worker or person who works at a grocery store and say the store policy is still to enforce it. Even if it is just tangentially. And you, you motherfuckers are armed to the teeth there. And <laughs> well, what I'm picturing is that I'm going I would guess that more business owners than not are going to say, well, the only way we're going to keep up with business and, and, you know, and like m- mitigate conflict is to just no longer enforce mask wearing at all. Like if staff wants to wear it or customers want to wear them, they can, but it is no longer going to be uh, a common store policy. And that's just going to put everyone uh, who works in those situations in the same boat that they were in a year ago where they have to decide, is this job worth risking my life? Because that's exactly what it's going to be like. 
But now yes. they have no option to even, I believe, even accept the federal benefit because That's by him, op- because by him opening up the state, it 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 took all of that away. You can no mm-hmm. longer just say my job isn't safe because the state just said yes, it is. Right. I mean, uh, there were people who had to do that anyway. Where like they, if their if their place of employment reopened, I, I, I'm thinking of one example in particular, and I won't say their name because I don't have their approval. But they they worked at a bookstore, I want to say, and uh, their employer opened back up, and obviously there were certain policies in place, but they were open to the public. They were, you know, working face-to-face with clients and it was a personal choice for them. She wasn't like a higher risk person. She didn't need to stay home with kids. Her partner or other people in her household were not higher risk. She just didn't want to take the risk period. And so again, that in that example, it's a very personal choice where there aren't there is, if she doesn't meet the parameters for basically financial aid uh, in her circumstance. If you don't want to work, you're just not going to have money. You've quit your job. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Yeah. Which is not yeah. what we need right now. We don't need more people out of work. Um, right. The, I, I think the thing that people don't understand about this this <clears throat> this virus is that it starts it starts out in your personal circle <clears throat> and then just keeps marching towards you mm-hmm. and it will <clears throat> it'll get with you this is a disease that loves the fact that human beings love to be in contact Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand that human beings are social. And it's great that we have the technology to talk to each other and still be safe. But for people who are in a lower income, who are, <clears throat> who are having to work the jobs that put them in the direct front line, it's going to hit them harder. And especially now as we're trying to recover, because basically if we like to think of our economy as this sprinter in an Olympic event, we were running and then all of a sudden we just tripped up and we're trying to push ourselves up off the track and try to get running again. And now you're going to put hurdles out in the middle of nowhere and we're going to trip over those. And it's just, I, my feeling is, is like we've known, we've gained knowledge about how to do this, how to be safe We have vaccines. It's a miracle that we have a vaccine within a year. (laughs) And for better or worse, yes, the Trump administration made that happen. But we have to keep 
going. This is a long protracted war with a disease that not only mutates and gets in some of the variants that are starting to come out are even faster to infect. Mm-hmm. And we have to be, we have to think of this as a long protracted siege. And you want to open up, like you basically want to open up the castle gates in the middle of a siege. <laughs> right. And pretend yeah, that nothing's, you pretend that nothing's happening. Like, Oh no, my parapet's on fire. Oh well, I still have a king. I still have a king size bed. <laughs> it's okay. If we're going to do that, we you'd better be able to deal with the consequences, right? And unfortunately, <clears throat> it, we have leadership in Texas that gets that thrives with getting away with no consequences. And so, so, so how, how do we get you, Katie and the bulldog out here? Um, I've either got to win the lottery, uh, figure out stonks so that I can gamify the system. <laughs> I, I was actually going to ask, uh, what can those of us who don't live in Texas do to support those of you who do? Um, there are, I want to say, uh, there are some great, great uh, <clears throat> donation funds that you can give to. Um, primarily, I, I hate to say this, you're going to have to do a little bit of research, but if you want to find a, if you want to find, uh, oh God, I want to say there is, there's actually a resource on the state of Texas. Uh, website that'll give you list of donations that we need. Like if you want to donate to uh, various other funds or um, just reach out to your friends in Texas. If you have friends in Texas, just call them up, meet them, talk with them. Right now we're kind of, I know that I've been okay but I know that a lot of other people are not. Right. And it's going to reach out to them, talk to them. Uh, pretty much it's, if you want to, just talk to your friends. <laughs> just if you have friends in Texas, talk to them help them directly. That makes sense. Can do. Yeah. I, I, as if to be ironic, I just went to the uh, state of Texas's webpage and uh, their portal for the disaster, uh, Texas disaster relief is not accepting any donations at this time. So. It did drop a link in the chat for the Texas.gov uh, COVID-19 
landing page that includes mm. uh, a section of different places to uh, uh, that provide support uh, that are COVID-19 related, like uh, worker childcare, school meals, small business stuff. Great. Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully it gets better for you and you guys can stay safe, but yeah. I think we should also harass Abbott. <clears throat> Get ResistBot going on that one. That's um, actually not a bad idea. Hey, I helped. If, if I, the only the only thing I want to take to task is uh, I would take Texas Monthly to task for writing a very flowery <clears throat> article about him when he was running for governor. When did he take office? Um, I have the internet right in front of me. So. Did he get a big bump because of that write-up? Uh, no, but it did. it did help humanize him a little bit. He was a little bit of a figure before that, but <clears throat> when you run, essentially if you run for the governor of Texas, it's kind of like running for a miniature presidency. If 2014 and he got reelected again in 2018. Jeez. Oh, and <clears throat> Uh, I think too many liberals in Texas, like we we keep carrying the ghost of Ann Richards, but Ann Richards was just a tough Texas lady that had been in Texas politics for forever. Right, and, and more people of color run for office, run for positions of power in Texas, but <clears throat> they're meeting a lot of resistance because <clears throat> Texas politics has a ton of money. Like it is literally just oil and gas. <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> it it is what it is. And I hate to say that, and I know that's I know that's a phrase that a lot of people of color are just like we're tired of fucking hearing it. <laughs> Trust me, there are a lot of people in Texas who want certain things to change. Well, it's also been but, gerrymandered, gerrymandered like beyond belief down there too. Oh, uh, I because I I say this phrase when I worked for the newspaper. Like, when you I, – I loved my job as a photojournalist. I didn't like the pay, but that job <laughs> gave me more perspective than I ever got in college, than I ever got growing up in a privileged uh, – in a privileged school – I went to a private school. I got more. <laughs> I got more grit under my name working that job than any other job. Right. And when when you see the whole picture, when you pull back and you realize all the problems of today 
started way before you've ever come along. And you start to see that maybe there, there could be a hope for a future. And then you just, you see the long protracted war and what it does to people and what this world and what it takes to be a success in this world and how much this world takes from people. Right. You kind of, you have to, you have to be humble. And I, I learned grittiness and humbleness with that job. That's good. And, and I think a lot of people don't want to do that journey because it's not a comfortable journey. Right. And that's going forward. A lot of people are going to be uncomfortable. And you're going to, you're going to have to come to terms with it. Uh A lot of people in this country have got to have a come to Jesus moment. And I, I don't think it's going to be good and I don't think it's going to end well, but I still have a light and a hope in humanity because if I didn't take that journey, I wouldn't be here talking with y'all right now. Yeah. And I just realized that it's very privileged of me to say my journey. But- Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm just—I just sounded like a fucking Starbucks coffee cup. Fuck me! I'll send you a copy of Eat, Pray, Love if you want. <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> Ugh. The no, lone wait. book that the lone book that told white women it was okay to eat carbs. Fuck you! <laughs> wait on this show. What do we call it? Eat, pray, smite. I think when we had Ida and Greg on last time, they were talking about paladins, and they're like, you can go on a journey. I was like, yeah, eat, pray, smite. That sounds right. Yep. That sounds like a thing that happened here. Yeah. That's... We need a t-shirt line. All the other cool pray kids smite. are doing it. Well, I think, Norm, that your story is a, it's a pretty good testament to like the importance of journalism. And you obviously had a different perspective on it being part of that industry but but that 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 the fact that that industry exists um who who allow people to understand things more well in theory to understand things more clearly see the truth behind things and and have an opportunity to recognize oh all this terrible shit that's happening here got this way by this many decades of this much other bullshit that people don't even think about or remember, but it's important because it's how it got us here. Right. And it, it, it really upsets me when people say that, Oh, the small town local newspaper is part of the, uh, the secret global cabal. You're all part of the liberal media. Like if, if that was true, then how come my checks from George Soros bounced and I wasn't able to afford my fucking Rolls Royce? <laughs> like, it... Nice try. It, 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 it irks me because I know that uh, newspapers and news agencies 
Well, yes, when we get stuff wrong, we have the opportunity to go back and make it right mm-hmm. by printing retractions or like, hey, the story we presented the information in not the best light. Here are all the facts. Well, and what people forget is that it's a building full of human beings who make mistakes and they're part of your community. And you should just you should just take it for what it is. It's a newspaper. It's information. And it's uh it's not just that they forget that they're just people doing a job and they are people trying to provide information. It is also very targeted propaganda against the fourth estate. Yes. Um, what you're describing, Norm, is is very reasonable. Human beings make mistakes. Good journalists retract statements and mm-hmm. and put in, you know, uh post post edit things. Um but the problem is not that people don't want to give anyone the benefit of the doubt. They are full on convinced that, you know, there is a deep state and that liberal journalists are all making it all up and you know it's just this huge conspiracy i'm like i i don't know how to convince you that science is real Uh, so like no amount of articles no matter how accurate they are or how flawlessly they are written or represented is going to change that yeah no there's not i mean last week i mean granted they got blood out of proportion because it still was very sensational but there were there were videos of people in sorry Norm in, in Texas because you guys had the most snow down there a couple weeks yeah. ago making snowballs and then sticking a lighter to it and saying yeah. that it was a conspiracy because they didn't burn or melt immediately not understanding how thermodynamics works oh yeah at first oh, I thought well, at first, I saw the first thought, okay, this has got to be someone like goofing on QAnon people. This can't be fucking real. It can't be. No, it's it's real. And there were dozens of these videos. That's like the people who are trying to prove that the earth is flat by using oranges and plates. Like pouring water over oranges and plates showing like this is what it looks like versus this is what it... I, I will say this. I, like I, I, I remember find it for you, Cable. I remember being in the third grade and watching Mr. Wizard, and he did an experiment. Like, you want to see something cool? If you put a lighter, or ask your parents to put a lighter to a snowball, it won't melt. It's called thermodynamics. And then, yeah, got that, and also like third grade middle school science. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It. I. I have. I. I have started listening to... We broke cable. He's gone. He's done. Uh, I have started listening to... There There are two podcasts I listen to now. One is called Knowledge Fight, in which two people watch Alex Jones's like daily program. Oh. And then they... Like, <laughs> they'll play clips from it, and then they break it down about why he's wrong, <laughs> why he's lying... And why it's all bullshit. The second podcast I recommend to the audience is QAnon Anonymous, in which it's four journalists who are basically have gone through all of the Q stuff and basically mock it for what it is, which is a bullshit echo chamber. Right. It is. But, uh. The. So the flat earthers 
the one video that made me just laugh out loud was the guy who brought his he, he went to Lowe's or Home Depot and got a level booked a flight from I want to say from California to, to somewhere across the United States and he put the level on on the tray back and he kept filming it going you see it's perfectly oh, level that's right I forgot about that not forgetting that an airplane has to keep a certain uh <clears throat> When in flight, in they fly in an arc. <laughs> they have to keep the the plane will sit level because that's how you get the I, optimum airflow, so that they don't burn through all of their really fuel. Quick, I can't tell if Cable Zoom is frozen or if that's just him raging and and just snapping out. Just it's just finally <laughs> proving that Cable is actually a robot and his synapses have been broken. We're gonna and have the last to, thing. I'll, we're gonna have to chime in, Merrick, and have him have her uh, have her hit his reboot, hard reboot. Okay, the cyberpunk I reboot. Found... Man, hold on. Are you gonna share uh... something with me that's gonna make me even angrier? Should we? Should we really quick? This has been a great conversation Maybe. and needed. Should we quickly mm-hmm. talk about chocolates and then go into Wandavision? Yes, a literal palate cleanser. Let, let's let's do that. Norm, you want to hang out? I know you didn't have the chocolates, but you want to hang out for WandaVision, or you got to go? Oh, uh, sure. I I watched WandaVision, loved it, been loving the series. Cool. Hang yeah, out. Yeah. Hang out. Uh, but I will be right back. Okay. Well, that gives us time to eat some chocolate. Okay, Cable. Okay, now, here's the thing. is I, I, I can't listen to the audio right now, and this is from a, a couple years ago. Um. I think this is the right one. Yeah, that's him. Without listening to it, I can't tell if he's serious or not. Um, but and, and for the audience who doesn't have access to this video link, it's just a young man. He's like, I'm going to prove to you that the earth is flat. And he pours water over an orange, which is round. And the water slides off the orange because it's round. And then he pours water on a on like a little saucer, a plate, and of course the water pulls up around, you know, within the lip the lip confines of the plate. And obviously, because we experience flooding throughout different places of the earth, and because we have oceans, the earth must be flat. Otherwise, all of the water on our planet would just slide right off. So I actually think this guy does like high art parody. He looks goofy. He does. So. I think he, I think he turns into the satire so hard that people take it seriously. I know, and that's why I, I would have liked to have listened to it again, um, but obviously I'm listening to you guys right now. Which is why I have such a such a hard time with satirists in this day and age. Because they make people they they uh, they make people dumber by accident. Yes. Yeah. These people we have. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, kind of um, that encouraged a culture of uh, that that supports a lack of education, yeah. basic education, and so that when satirists who are smart create comedy for other smart people, yeah, that like that's that's what satire is supposed to be. It, we're all supposed to be at the same level so that we're all in on the joke. And the problem is, is we have a large population who is not 
and they take it as real. That's one of the things that was why it was, it was so hard for me to get into the Colbert report for years. It's like, because everyone thought this was real. It's like, this is a comedy show and there were, very diehard neoconservatives that thought he was real. It's, it's funny you watch. You How watch, do you believe he's being serious? Well, it's funny you watch early Colbert Report. See, I still say rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, he <laughs> had much more subtle in his satire, and as the seasons mm-hmm. went on, he went really, really over the top with his conservative persona. Wow. And I think it, that I guess, was a I guess I don't remember it that way. It was very subtle in the beginning, but, and then. Yeah, it stopped. <laughs> but, how but I'll tell you this, though. Oh. Even though I don't remember the differences in the mm-hmm. performance style from early years to later years, I never thought it was genuine. But it's how do you... on the fucking comedy network. Uh, but liberals get their news from Comedy Central, from Jon Stewart. So yeah. why would conservative... Why would they not have a conservative show? There is nothing different about Colbert's performance as on the Colbert Report and what Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson do. Mm. They they are very indistinguishable to people who don't understand satire. Gross. Yes. Yes. You know, it's not gross though. Chocolates. Chocolates. So before we jump into our review of the latest episode of WandaVision, this is a perfect time to give thanks to our sponsors. First up, Bridge City Comics. Find them at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. Uh, in our little review at the end of the, at the end of the show here, we are going to bring up some very specific comics, uh, characters or events that have to do with Wanda and the Vision over in old, you know, 616 universe. If you are curious about those stories, then uh, then you need to get yourself over to Bridge City Comics and pick up some of those uh, trades that are hopefully being reprinted now. If Marvel finally wised up, um, <laughs> uh, I know that like uh, like three weeks ago, like House of M was still out of print, and we're like, "Come on, guys, come on, son." Um, anyway, <laughs> maybe it's in print now. I'm not sure. Either way. Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. They are, of course, doing in-store shopping, but, you know, maintain distance, mask, you know, all that stuff. Be a superhero for your comics community. 3725 North Mississippi, and when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. (sighs) That brings us to Guardian Games. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They are, quite simply, the greatest game store in the country. I mean, that's just it. There's a, it's a fact. Um, in fact, it'll be in the back of, you know, DM's guides one day. I don't, I mean, it won't, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but in addition to, you know, all the role-playing games you might want, they have all kinds of board games of all ages, competitive, cooperative, um, you know, any type of play style you might want between uh, their solo board games. There are just two player all the way up to some can handle up to like nine players. It's uh, it is pretty impressive. They also have a huge selection of miniatures that you can paint um, from, you know, regular little characters all the way up to giant ships that you can include in your fantasy game or really any other game. And they also have, and they just got in, a life-size replica of the eye and hand of Vecna from WizKids. Um, 
I'm afraid to look at it because even though I have no room for it, I would totally put that when I DM just next to me, just to like intimidate the players, be righteous. Anyway, um, those are some of the amazing things they have at Guardian Games. So check them out. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you are in there, give them a big old thanks for being the longest sponsor of Geek in the City Radio and that it means the world to us. Just like our friend, Rev Nat who continues to donate equipment so the show sounds uh, sounds crisp and clean as we record in different zip codes as we all kind of stay locked in. So, uh, yeah, big shout-out to Rev Nat of Reverend Nat's Hard Cider for hooking us up with some equipment. He is, of course, the official beverage of the ongoing pandemic, Rev Nat's of Rev Nat's Hard Cider. And then, uh, yeah, you know, before we get back to it, just a quick little shout out and thanks to our friends over at Asylum, across from the Baghdad Theater over there on the Hawthorne District. They do have limited shopping hours, but um, yeah, check out their Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash PDX Asylum. And uh, when you're in there, just, um, you know, help them out, see how they're doing and, uh, you know, thank them for always for always being friends to the show, which we're getting back to right now. So these are like probably the healthiest chocolates I've ever eaten. I don't know about you guys. I was surprised at how good for We're, you they are. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was surprised at how tasty it was because the Honey Mama's chocolate truffle bars contain no refined sugar, gluten, dairy, or so, soy. They are considered a paleo food item mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the boxes are just adorable by the way they look like a really big uh package of that like you know the gum that isn't strips but like little bricks oh mm-hmm. you went to a much more wholesome area i was like they look like a package of nate sherman's oh i'm they not are. familiar with those so nat uh, sherman's be a long nat sherman's. Got Sorry, a i'm not nat familiar sherman's. with the packaging nat sherman's yes yeah and so uh, we were given some samples. Or, or cloves from the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we all got the same samples, but I got... We uh, did. Perfect. So tahini tangerine, which mm-hmm. is dark cocoa, raw honey, sesame butter, cacao nibs, and tangerine. Mm-hmm. And remember, the proper way to say gonna... it is sesame butter. It's time for me to go just, get my bubble bath. Yeah, I just watched Big Mouth a few days ago, so that's in my head again. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. she saved some. My, uh, my spouse, Jen, and I scarfed ours down, so I cannot sample them live. <laughs> we ate half, like, right away. Um, but then we obviously forgot to do this sooner. So to give background, we did have a friend of the show, John, had provided us with these samples um, so that we could try them out and and, uh, talk about them. It is a local company. Um, The cardboard packaging is fairly new. It used to be just the the packaging and the paper wrapper with a sticker on it. And now they've upgraded to that. My enormous honk of salt. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the flavor like you get a lot of coconut um, oil yeah. in it, which is nice. Uh, the there were a couple of things I wanted to mention. Do not go if you go looking for these. Do not go looking for them in the chocolate aisle of your grocery store. They are in the refrigerated section because, unlike normal ch- uh, chocolate bars, you do have to keep these refrigerated. 
Yes, right. they and will melt at 72 degrees. Yes, because they, they are, are dairy-free. That's one of the things that actually keeps chocolate shelf-stable, amazingly. The process of... Strange. Yeah. All those, all those curves and whey holding it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, it's the milk proteins and stuff, yeah. Okay. And then um, the other flavor that we got, which was my personal favorite, was cherry hazelnut, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. dark cocoa, raw honey, hazelnuts, bing cherries, and flake salt. Okay, delicious. These all sound like they belong on the British baking show. Kind of, kind of. I can see some inspiration of that. I, yeah, I'm with, I'm with Denise. I really love the cherry hazelnut. Mm-hmm. A, it's delicious, but B, takes the real cherry. That's the thing. I, I, they have clearly both been cooked because I was able to eat it without getting in trouble. Um, both hazelnuts and cherries are things that I have not been able to enjoy for the past few years because I've developed an adult onset oral allergy to them, which is a fancy way of saying my throat seals up and I have to use an EpiPen. Mm. Uh, unless they have been processed or like cooked or somehow I just can't eat them like off the tree and, and what have you. Uh, and they were able to maintain those flavors very well. So I was kind of in like, those are already two of my favorite flavors to begin with. So I was in like, I was in like dessert heaven. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was gross. You didn't want to see me when I was eating be. I mean, I was super happy to eat these, (laughs) and I can eat this whenever I want. (laughs) Uh, These Both of these flavors are seasonal flavors, so you should get them now while they're still Mm. in season. And for Portland folks, are they like at what? At Whole Foods, New Seasons? Is that where they're at right now? Or like Green Zebra? Um, let me see. I, I'm on their website right now. Let me find hey, out where they. Good idea. Yeah, I and just I also linked it in the YouTube chat. Okay, so and a quick little backstory. If those of you are like, John, why does that name sound familiar? If you have heard me tell the tale of back in my PDXR days when I made uh, what is officially referenced as a metric fuck ton of carnitas, <laughs> and the crew ate about half of it, and then we went and did a fire performance. John came back. St- it should be noted that John's what five four. Yes. No. No. I'm five uh, three. Oh, then he's five two. To Less say is he that. is not he is not a large man, no. and there was probably about four pounds of carnitas in a bowl still left after the event, and we got back from the fire performance or whatever. John opens the fridge, takes the foil off the bowl. Grabs a fork and looks at everybody and says, anybody want to get in on this? And like one or two people had a bite. He went, okay. He ate the whole damn thing. Just sat on the side of the couch and went like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably, would enough, probably would have been enough for breakfast the next day. Oh, yeah. that was the plan. I was like, I'm going to make breakfast burritos. And he's just like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like he just. Boy, boy can eat. Yeah. He, he burns a lot of energy. And he, he can really cook. He can also them. cook. He's an amazing mm-hmm. cook. Yeah. Uh, he's the only person I know who, uh, at every every party I've ever seen him be a guest at, he is cooking at that person's party. Mm-hmm. Every time. He doesn't give you a choice. No. no. I mean, like, I'm fine I... with it. I, I yeah. always feel a little bit weird about someone working in my house when they're I invited them over to have fun. But you know, but that is fun. Dumplings. That is fun. Yeah, I'll, yeah. You're like, well, you don't have to. And half hour later, you're coming out with amazing dumplings, and you know, a fucking and you're fermented, like, right, don't stop, fermented black John. bean dipping sauce that he just whipped up. 
with stuff in your kitchen that you didn't know you had. Exactly. It's like, who, how how did you do this? So I that's so that's he is a mage of the kitchen. Yeah. Hmm? He's a mage of the kitchen. I yes. take it. Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay, so I've got the list of places that you can buy Honey Mamas. In Portland is definitely new seasons. Yes, definitely. It seems like all of the new seasons, but also Market of Choice down by uh, our old studio space. Mm-hmm. Um, Natural Grocers uh, by Vitamin Company, who I'm not familiar with. And then one other small place, the Alberta Co-op. Oh, uh, I can place. also tell you that uh, World Foods in the Pearl District also carries them. Okay, cool. So there are definitely that, options. Yep. I'm glad that uh, Whole Foods doesn't carry them because I don't shop at Whole Foods. <laughs> oh, shit. It's got a flavor I got to tell Jen about. They have a flavor called, they have a ginger cardamom flavor. Mm-hmm. And also, if you just go to Honey Mama's, I believe you can just order online directly from them for everyone you who's can. not local to Portland. Let me get that in the chat for everyone. On the website right now. Order some, yep. Norm. Do it. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't like healthy chocolate bars. I mean, I don't. I also don't like like a plain old Hershey's bar either. Like, I don't really eat like mass-produced milk chocolate, but I also am not, like, a hippie about my chocolate either. Sure. And yet, these guys were... I really, really enjoy them. They're like fantastic. Forcing I, I, myself I, to I, leave some for Christian. <laughs> <laughs> but not the cherry. I ate all the cherry. Wait, they're vegan also? Th- no, because they have honey, so some people don't consider them vegan. Wait, what? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to list themselves as vegans. I know many vegans will not eat honey. But yeah, no sugar, no gluten, dairy, soy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are they are paleo, if that's your jam. Yeah, I definitely recommend checking them out. Your your mouth will thank you. Yeah, and they're good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, friend friend of a friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, honey mamas. Awesome. Get to the, the Geek Get in the City them. bump. Oh, man. If only. We'll see. Yeah, if you order them online, if, if, they, they, have, were, if, if they have little note sections say like, hey, I heard about yours on Geek in the City. Maybe we'll have a chocolate sponsor. I will absolutely be paid in chocolate to talk about chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. What's your, what is your payment plan? <laughs> chocolate. I, I think we should introduce them to Nat. Ooh. Man, chocolate and cider is a hard balance. Have you ever known Nat to back down from a challenge? No, because I drank fermented milk from him before. Not like Nat's personal fermented milk. That came out so much worse than I thought it was going <laughs> to. I have had fermented milk that Nat has helped create, as well as his angel of death, uh, cider, which I still loved, but it was uh, the don't cider. Don't forget the blue cheese cider. <clears throat> blue cheese cider. That was the yeah, the blue cheese cider, the Hawaiian pineapple cider. That one was yeah. fine. That one was. Yeah, the angel of death was uh, fermented instead of regular cider yeast. It was just fermented with yeast that grew off a rotting lamb's leg. <laughs> I liked it. 
that we brought that to our cider maker. That man is okay. That is the most Portland alchemist. statement that has ever Portland that I have ever listened to. So it, there's a thing in Portland. I don't know if it's going on right now. Obviously, there's a thing called Fermentation Fest where you're basically like chefs and brewers are are challenged to like really go for it. And if I remember correctly, he teamed up with the people at Olympia Provisions and thought he could ferment off the yeast that grows off dry aging leg of lamb. So then he did the whole, you know, biblical thing of, you know, you know, you put the lamb, that's why he called it the angel of death. Cause he put lamb's blood over the door. Yeah. The angel of death from stopping. And uh, yeah, he, then he pasteurized it. So it was, it was healthy. It was safe. Um, I liked it. It tasted like Norm. You'll appreciate this. You know, if you have a really good rack of lamb and you mix it with a little bit of applesauce, a little bit of spice. Oh yeah. That's what it tasted like. Mm. But it is weird to drink a cider that has like, is that meat? That's meat. It was, it was funky. It was definitely funky. Uh, I want to make a quick correction before we move fully away from the topic. Um, when you look at when you look for stores near you, it automatically defaulted to Portland without me entering in any information. Um, they might be all over the country. I just typed in like an Arizona uh, area code, and uh, a bajillion natural grocers came up. So uh, awesome! Listener Brad in the in the uh, in the YouTube chat just said, "Looks like Fresh Time Market in Michigan has some, so they have national right distribution." On. That's okay. what made me go look. Thank you for bringing oh. it back to that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go to their website, and if you don't want to order online, if you want to try to buy it locally, they might have it in your area. They look to be all over the place. Just checking your refri- the refrigerated section. Yeah. Man, look at Treasure. He's all grown up. That was his nickname in Yard, people who don't know. Because <laughs> he was oh, small. Because he was. View. Yeah, he was small, so it was like finding treasure if you found him. <laughs> and because he could fit in a treasure chest. That was the other part of it. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yard days. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, WandaVision? Yes. Want to do your recap really quick before we dive in? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Mm -hmm. Here we go. WandaVision episode eight, titled previously on. Uh, This episode starts us off in Salem, 1693, where Agatha is being brought to trial by her own coven for stealing knowledge above her age and station, the darkest of magic. She claims that she can't control her powers, asks, you know, for help. Um, but they don't buy it, and they begin performing a ritual to presumably destroy her. But she instead destroys the entire coven, including her mother, and presumably uh, absorbs all of their power in the process because they are all, everyone in the coven is now dead and desiccated. Now we switch back to Agnes slash Agatha's basement. Uh, and throughout the conversation, we start to glean a couple things. Agatha, who clearly has a decent amount of power, believes that Wanda has a lot more power than she does, uh, but is also kind of surprised to see that Wanda doesn't seem to know the basics of, uh, the, the fundamentals of witchcraft. Uh, anyway, she takes Wanda on a very, this is your life style journey through all of Wanda's most traumatic experiences. And then it becomes almost a cliff show from here. Uh, We see the death of her parents, which is also the scene where we get to see the origins of Wanda's fondness for American family sitcoms throughout all of the different eras. And you can, um, you can see almost every single sitcom that is represented 
in the one division series and a very brief glimpse at a briefcase full of dvds uh followed quickly by wanda and pietro being trapped for days inside of a uh inside with a uh an undetonated missile which agnes credits to um to wanda's powers uh being the thing that kept them alive we also learn about wanda's involvement with an anti-freedom terrorist organization which is also where we see her interact with uh presumably the yellow infinity stone it starts out blue becomes yellow uh yes the mind stone thank you Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure uh and then we also cut to uh after pietro has died and wanda is struggling with that uh, this is also where she begins to build a connection with Vision, who helps her through her grief. And that's, um, I think this is probably the most popular section of the episode. She describes it like this wave washing over me again and again. It knocks me down. And when I try to stand up, it just comes for me again. It's just going to drown me. And to which Vision replies, I don't think that that's true. What is grief, if not love, persevering? after this little bit of flashbackery uh, is where Agnes really starts ramping up the pressure. She doesn't really care about Wanda's pain and grief. She only cares about understanding how Wanda had, has the power to create her version of Westview that everyone's been living in for, I'm going to go like on a week and a half now. Um, and then we go to one more flashback. Wanda goes to S.W.O.R.D. to see Vision's body. She wants to bury him. Hayward lets her see his body, which is at the moment being dismantled. Uh, but he implies that she has the power to bring him back to life or back online, as he initially calls it. And, uh, and that he can't let her do that. She does get angry and a little destructive, but she leaves without a body, which in which case this memory does not match the footage that Hayward allows people to see of her stealing Vision's body, which he claimed was the pre- precursor to the Westview incident. Uh, next, we see Wanda driving to and through Westview, New Jersey, which is a, a kind of a sad and rundown looking town. Um, like we see the, the town center, the community pool, but everything just looks really defunct. But anyway, she pulls into a driveway of a plot of land that has foundations built around it. And we learned that um, presumably vision bought this property and was having a house built them built built there for them um and it is at this point that wanda reaches the pinnacle of her grief and magic just starts bursting from her body creating the wanda vision home the version rewriting the town of westview to what we've been seeing for the last several weeks of this show and also creating vision so again, this goes against what we thought we knew, that Wanda had stolen his body and brought him back to life. Um, so now the flashbacks are over and Agnes understands Wanda's power and goes into the offensive mode. She says that someone with Wanda's powers is supposed to be a myth, a being capable of spontaneous creation. Here you are using it to make breakfast for dinner. Uh, she describes it as chaos magic, which makes makes Wanda the Scarlet Witch, and uh, and main part of this the the episode. Uh, we also get a second or third I couldn't remember uh, post credit scene, which is Hayward's team finally ready for launch. Uh, they're you know in that 
classic Marvel movie way. They don't really show you right away what they're working on. But Hayward says, we tried every type of power to supply under the sun to get this thing powered up. Uh, and all we needed was a little energy directly from the source. And you see a device that's glowing red, similar to the way the hex barrier kind of fluctuates. It has a little bit of a TV vibe to it. And then they activate the real vision. Or if not the real vision, a rebuilt version of him. It, yeah, white white vision, which is was a thing in, in Marvel. Uh-huh. Um, I, I read a thing somewhere that described him as cool ranch flavor vision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't quite put the pieces together, but it amused me nonetheless. It's uh, yeah, cause yeah. wasn't because wasn't he a part of the West Coast Avengers? He was, yeah. When he he was all white, yes, yeah, he was a that West was Coast Avenger. He, he had been brought back online because the, previously Bucky and Wanda were not allowed to be Avengers. They, they had, um, by the U.S. government, they were like, nope, you did this and you did this. You guys can't be Avengers anymore. And they went, oh, okay. And then they became West Coast Avengers. Cable, correct me if I'm wrong, did, was Scarlet Witch one of the characters that started as a villain for a little while? Like it was planned, we're going to introduce her as a bad guy to show that she's been manipulated. And Yeah, because her, she, both her and her brother were Right. Part of the oh, Brotherhood, of, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, right? Mm-hmm. Just like Rogue was brought on to be a villain. So, yeah. so my biggest takeaway with this episode is that this is where they, they finally stop hinting around and like really make it the focus or that they, they cut to the fact that the, the focus of this series, uh, what WandaVision is really about is grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, it's not like we didn't already sort of have some of those takeaways, but, you know, to get a full 40 minutes of just Wanda's pain and emotional suffering back to back is what all of this has really been about. Yeah. Even if, even if Agnes doesn't give a shit about that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of, I'm kind of interested though. This is, this episode slightly changed my perspective on Agnes. Um, I don't think she's a cut and dry villain. Uh-uh. I think she's also in her own way as being slightly manipulated is kind of not come to terms with it, but she's finding a way to break free on her own. Cause there's that flashback where she says, I can be good. And her mom says, no, you can't. It's and, and the mom has the time. Go ahead. Well, I would say the the mom had that look of like, and it hurts me to say this, but no, you can't be good. Something happened to Agnes. Um, and I sometimes I'm starting to wonder if Agnes has been provoking Wanda because she's like, you have some kind of power. I need to know what it is for reasons I don't know yet, either to help herself or help someone else. Agnes could also be the mystical version of the fucking Silver Surfer, and she is the herald for a bigger, darker power. And it's like, I need to get shit ready. Either for my master, or because my master is coming, I need someone who can help put him down. And I'm risking everything. That feeds into the Mephisto theory. Right, or even darker, there's like what, not Chult. Chult is an island in D&D, but there's a 
Marvel has their version of Cthulhu that kind of starts with like or something. I uh, like going back to that, you know, that sort of witch trial uh, scene. I had, and this is probably a credit to Catherine Hahn's acting. I didn't really believe her when she said, I can be good, or, oh, well, the the magic just sort of, you know, did what it wanted to do. I, you know, I'm just a little baby. Um, There was just that little bit of hint of, like, not sarcasm, but just this like subtone that told me she wasn't being genuine when she said that she was saying what she thought would get her out of the situation. Um, I could see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like she, you know, they, they start to like go in to destroy her and she doesn't really, really seem scared. And she doesn't seem shocked when her magic goes offensive and destroys them instead. Oh, you know, really? like if not to me, hmm. no. I mean, there's I, definitely like a little bit of an awe there. Like, oh, shit, maybe I'm more powerful than I thought. But the magic is doing what she wants. I okay. Yeah. I tend to agree with Denise um, up to the point of that. Still doesn't mean that she's evil. Okay, that's fair. But, right. but that—that's also because I—I I view like we humans tend to get lost, stuck on the this person is good, this person is bad. This is these are good things, these are bad things. These are good versus evil. We're we're mired in that. When you start taking on powers and abilities that raise you out of the mundane existence good and evil be, especially if you're when was the Salem witch trials in the 1600s 1693 so, is where this happened specifically so she's over 300 years old mm-hmm. she has a completely different perspective on what good and evil are and what is seen as evil by someone who only lives one lifetime. She's lived three and has gone, eh, this is all kind of come and gone. Right. What was bad at one point is now good. What was good at one point is now bad. Well, to me, I, I really hadn't factored in any of the, like, this person is good or this person is bad. I hadn't really, like, tried to dissect whether I think Agnes is good or bad. What I do think is that she, from a very early point knew how to absorb and gain more power Mm -hmm. and that's what she's trying to do now she is pushing so hard to understand how wanda did what she did because she wants that power maybe it's to maybe it's because she thinks she's protecting other people by taking it away from her but also she wants that power for herself and uh, you know like you mentioned okay she's 300 years old uh, that kind of reminded me of concepts like altered carbon is the first one that comes to mind is, you know, people mm. live like, you know, lifetimes instead of one lifetime. And it really skews your perspective on not just what good uh, or good or bad or right and wrong is, but your perspective on what you deserve or what you, what belongs to you in the world. Yep. Right. And also, she's lived so long that she recognizes the patterns of people. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that she's 
she's pulling all the levers to get <clears throat> Wanda to a place where she's going to be weak and give try to give up that power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, Which, I just... I think Agnes is a much more interesting character if she's not a cut and dry villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we, I think we all agree that that's not the yeah, case. Yeah, because it seems like yeah. they're moving into what phase four of the MCU. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. phase four is all going to. I mean, it's it's magic's time basically. You know, Spider Man's going to be dealing with the multiverse. We got the Sorcerer Supreme. Sage, see, yeah, number four, phase four is going to be okay. Now we're bringing magic into the. Marvel, the MCU. Um, I can honestly see them waiting till phase five for, for mutants in general. Let this play out. Um, because, who, because who's the ultimate, what's the ultimate pushback against a world like overrun, like magic's taking it, like the Source Supreme can't hold up very well. So who's the, what's the best way to push back is science that looks like magic, which basically gives you the Fantastic Four. You know, at that's. I mean, I'm just saying that's a way that this could kind of play out. It feels like. I, I think um, they also opened the door for mutants earlier than Phase Five by stating that Wanda's powers did not come from the experimentation on her by Hydra. Right. They were both she and Pietro were the only people to survive their encounters with Mind Stone. Which we've seen what happens to most normal people when they. I always forget that when it meant Pietro survived the Mind Stone, also, huh? Yes. Yeah. Wait, I don't know what happens if a regular person interacts with the Mind Stone. Any <laughs> Infinity Stone, you fucking die. Yeah. Yeah. Like th- there's. Oh, like in Guardians. Yes. Yeah. That's why they all had they <clears throat> all held hands so that they were sharing the power. That's why it's a big deal when Captain Marvel just picks up the Tesseract and hands it, you know, puts it in right. that case for other people because she knows that she can pick it up, but not everyone can. I mean, that's why it took the Hulk to wear the Infinity Gauntlet and snap, or the one that Tony Stark made. It wasn't the gauntlet itself. Right. And yeah. it took the Hulk to survive it, and it still shriveled damn near like a, thir- a quarter of his body. Mm-hmm. And it's why it killed Tony Stark. In in his trekked out thing, the the act of using it killed him. Um, and the main reason why Star Lord could hold it is because he's part celestial, whatever those are called in Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so the yeah. celestial being half. Um. Yeah, you just you can't you can't hold it if you're if you're just a, a wee mortal, as it were. And speaking to her encounter, who do you think she saw when? She came in contact with the Mind Stone. She saw the Scarlet Witch. She saw herself. Yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that part. So I think the, I was typing when I would have seen it the second time around. Because Merrick actually asked the question. It's like, does that mean the Scarlet Witch was in the Mind Stone? Not that she was seeing a reflection of herself, of a future self, but much like Jean Grey and the Phoenix Force. Right. It's like, I don't know the answer because... <laughs> I know mean, what the answer is in comics, but I don't know what it is in the MCU. Right, and the MCU is not going to be the same as the comic. My my read mm-hmm. on that well, is that Wanda has existed many times before, and she doesn't. She never recalls the Scarlet Witch unless it's forced out of her. Mm. Wait, um, 
So when you say she she saw herself in the stone, <clears throat> is that like, do you mean like there's another entity that becomes one with Wanda and then Wanda becomes the Scarlet Witch or she sees her own future self? I think she sees her true self. She delves into her own. When she touches the Mind Stone, it, I believe it, 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 it like a magic symbolic, mirror. It mm-hmm. symbolically opens her mind. It opens her third eye, whatever you want to call it, and she's like, "Oh shit, that's me!" Because it's the it's the most OG Scarlet Witch silhouette they give her, like the most elongated mm-hmm. head part ever, like the Kate, like the mm-hmm. whole thing, you know. Um. And I also think, yeah, she may have existed many times because, again, like, she's the nexus. She is a nexus. There's only one of her at any given time. That That's what's been in the, the comics is in all the other iterations of the different multiverses of for Marvel, there is no other Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. It's a shit ton of Spider-Men. Only one oh, yeah. Scarlet Witch. A lot of Spider-Men. No, I... I... I just wonder because since we are dealing with magic now, when like is the cameo going to be Benedict Cumberbatch as Sorcerer Supreme? So I heard a theory that I really like, and if it happens, it's going to fucking blow my mind. I'll be so happy. Have a theory. The 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 rumor I have heard, the theory I've heard that I dig, and this is true. Paul Bettany never actually worked with him. Um. White Vision is going to be Ultron, and we're going to hear James Spader again. Why, oh, why would it be that, Ultron? Because Vision, his body was being built to be Ultron in Age of, in Age of Ultron. That was going to be the next, that potentially was going to be Ultron's next form. Mm-hmm. And Jarvis was a different- pushed it out. Body. You got to catch up and rewatch it. Yeah, yeah, you got to catch up. It's a part that, like, I forgot too, and I watched like a ten minute scene. I was like, "Oh shit, that's right." Uh, So I am rewatching, or you know, watching ones that I missed. All of the MCU's. I am up to, or I'm up through Iron Man two. So maybe I'll squeeze another one in tonight. Um, One bird. (laughs) What's that? Once buttered. Um, James Spader and Paul Bettany did share screen. Time. That's the thing that I don't get is that they did talk together, and they well, then, wouldn't they wouldn't be on screen together no matter what. Because no disrespect to James Spader, but he is not fitting in that white vision costume. That's going to be Paul Bettany in that one too. No, I, what I mean is they've already been on screen together. That's what I said. That's what kind of shoots the hole in it. But I still like yeah. the idea. That's not a very it good theory, then. I, I, I have heard the theory that, yeah, it would be neat to hear James Spader voice voice the white vision. And it could be. Uh, yep. I, I still think my the, the dark horse in that is Loki. Mm-hmm. As uh, Darcy? Yes. I, I, my coworker actually came to the same conclusion that it, it is uh, that Loki is behind this. But that Loki is actually the sword director. Hayward. Mm-hmm. Which is why he's being an agent of chaos and doing all of these things to push Wanda. It's like, mm. okay, that's also a valid, a valid theory. There's that. I feel like me with Hayward, that's just humans are garbage. Yes. Um, 
trying to think who else, who in the MCU has Paul Bettany not worked for? It's still Benedict is the one that screams out because they're mm-hmm. together in the Avengers. Um, yeah, they've never been on screen together. Not on screen uh, together. Oh, and I, I could use some help with this too, is why, why does that seem like the, a likely candidate, like story-wise, for, for Doctor Strange to be you wanna, magic? Magic. And because they be- both are magic. Well, yes. and there's a few things also in like four months, Spider-Man Far From Home takes place. And Peter Parker like literally asks um, Nick Fury, like, why are you sending me? Why aren't you sending, if these are elementals, why aren't you sending like Doctor Strange? And he's like, he's busy. Four months though? About four months from WandaVision, which he could still be dealing with the fallout of WandaVision is what I'm saying. Um, I mean... They're not going to bring somebody new. I can't imagine them bringing somebody new, a new character in. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Plus, they've already done that. Right. So I'm trying to think, like, who has Paul Bettany not worked with? And since he was in, you know, technically two and a half Avengers movies, like, he's worked with a lot of them. Um, but not, not Benedict. Um. Yeah, he would have he would have worked with Tom Holland, right? Yeah. Yes, in in, in Endgame Civil or War. in Infinity War. Oh, Civil, Civil War. War. Duh. Mm-hmm. Um, um none of the Guardians make sense and he's interacted with them. No, he hasn't. Really? Well, I mean even then I can't imagine the Guardians making sense for this yeah they wouldn't because they were all fighting thanos while the rest of them were in wakanda right um which i have a note about wakanda in a second yeah i'm trying to think like i mean we're all assuming it's going to be magic based but what if it's high you know super tech base i mean he didn't work with he didn't work with shuri no so like the other direction to go would be it's michael fassbender that is true. And they're just going to close that loop right away. Right. And go, ooh, sorry. And go, oh, it's Magneto. Right. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe Agnes is like, oh, you know, maybe Agnes has like a contingency of like, oh, fuck, if I, do get, if I do get this power untapped, I've been looking at the multiverse, whatever, and I know that in another place, this is her dad, so maybe if I get him ready, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's it it is fun for sure. Um, I'm bummed that we will not have any more nerdy speculations after next week. You know, um, it's funny as I I read an article that uh, that says like all this time we've been trying to figure out who is the bad guy in Wandavision, uh, and it turns out it might be us. Because all anyone can talk about is the Easter eggs and like the character reveals and and who the bad guy is or who's behind the scenes of everything and just like and how is it all going to fit into the MCU canon? Mm-hmm. How does it all tie in? Um, and spending a lot less time thinking about or talking about um, about Wanda's story her her story and her life and of course all of her grief which 
like I mentioned earlier, is like kind of the whole point of the show, I think. Yeah. In a weird way. I get that to a point, but I don't know if I fully would subscribe to that opinion because by our nature, humans love a mystery. And if you give us a mystery, we are going to, we are going to drive ourselves bonkers to figure it out. It's like that TNG episode where the aliens yeah. mind wipe them, but they leave like way too many clues and they're like, we have to, oh, we have to do it. We can't no, help I it. I mean, obviously, obviously this is what they want us to be doing is to be speculating because they, that they've kept so many little things under wraps and dropping in these little hints that let you like speculate, well, maybe it's going to turn out this way or maybe they're going to bring in this character. Right. I'm not going to invalidate the the viewpoint of that opinion piece that you read, Denise, but I will say that it is an incredibly cynical view. It basically takes the 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 standpoint of we're all garbage. And it's like, okay. That, well, it wasn't like, like an angrier, like, mean it doesn't have to be, It doesn't have to be angry or mean to say that I believe that we are we are the villains of the story because we are doing exactly what we are programmed to do. But technically we and Agnes are the villain according. Because again, all Agnes wants to know is how she got these powers or how she accessed them and is like dragging her through. I don't know if that's going to be an honest answer. I don't know if that's going to be an honest answer until the episode to the show wraps up. Mm -hmm. My takeaway is like, we Still, I mean, like, god damn, what are they? They've got like 45 minutes. Well, they, maybe it'll be a long one, but they have they, one last session to like wrap all of this up. And if there is a bad guy, they have really taken their time in revealing that. And it's just going to be a lot to cram into one, so, one hey, that, episode because I mean, don't think this is going to be a continuing series. No, they've said it's not. Fahey basically <gasps> said that we are not planning a season two. So it's a mini series then. Uh, they said the last episode's 50 minutes, which means 40 minutes of actual episode because WandaVision has the longest fucking credits yes. I have ever seen for a show in my life. Um, I, the, the one thing I do hope is I, I hope we get some kind of acceptable resolution. I don't want the, I don't want the core of the resolution to be, and you'll find out what really happens when Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness comes out. And I don't see them doing that. They won't. They've proven time and time again that they will go ahead and close all of the loops that they need to to give us a satisfactory ending while setting other things up. It's like, yes, there will be more of this will be explored here, but this part of the story is done. Right. I almost feel like if they if they did leave it open-ended like that, you know, to tie into other things, it would maybe ruin the series for me as someone who is not like a hardcore marvel fan whether it's mcu or the comics or you know just just any of it i have really really enjoyed this series um as a standalone product a a story i i've never really felt a lack of enjoyment or appreciation for what's been going on in the series because I don't know anything about Scarlet Witch or the Vision, and if they if they ended it on this like almost cliffhanger, then that would it would no longer be a standalone element that you can enjoy without years of added content. And, and to the to that end, I would say, look at the shows that WandaVision has 
paid homage to. Like mm-hmm. uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, uh, Malcolm in the Middle, all those right. types of shows wrap everything up with a bow. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. Like, oh, yeah. They are historically, you know, classically filmed shows where every episode is its own little thing. And at the end, it's over. It's just done. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's going, the show, as people have discovered along the way, <laughs> yes, it is about a woman's grief over losing a pretty big chunk of her family, I think what this is going to do for Wanda is push her to a point of acceptance, which is a lesson we all need to learn that yes, while grief is a powerful, powerful emotion, it can create a world that is false and fake and doesn't allow you to grow. Yeah, I, I think definitely the takeaway right now is that Wanda is is hiding from her pain. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that in the long term is not in the long term is not healthy. And I like the subtext is like it's not healthy for you, but the overt overt storyline is that she is like creating an unhealthy environment for an entire city worth of people. Um, entire world eventually well, potentially because uh, she's running away from her from her pain uh, Sack mentioned he's like people watching the show aren't ignoring the themes uh, it, just that the internet isn't really set up for these these kinds of in-depth mass discussions that's a, that's a really good point it used to be when we just went to forums or maybe I just went to very specific forums where we were having very in-depth and interesting conversations <laughs> That's true. I'm sure there's a whole Discord conversation going on right now in one of my Discord servers, but uh, but I there's there's so much activity that I can't keep up. Um, so we got to kind of wrap it up here, but before we do, I do want to touch on one more kind of news thing. Unless if you guys anyone want to say something quick on WandaVision, like jump in. I, I did want to say one WandaVision thing, <clears throat> oh, WandaVision item about uh, how Director Hayward was telling Wanda very specifically, it's like that's $3 billion worth of vibranium. You can't, I can't let you walk out of it. It's not out of here with it. It's not yours. The second he said that, I went, it's not yours either. That's a very good point. All vibranium belongs to Wakanda. Especially vibranium that was stolen by Ulysses' claw and then sold illegally to Ultron. Mm. All of Wait, that. is that who is that who got it? He got it from Claw. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that part. Yep. Yeah, that's how that's how he lost his arm was in Age of Ultron. He cut it off because yeah, he cut it off. <laughs> Ultron was he, like, "Oops." Ultron was having a, a tantrum because he got compared to Tony Stark, and he whipped around at Claw and cut off his arm. Fucking forgot like, Claw was in that movie. That was that whole middle chunk of Age of Ultron that it's just, yeah. That kind of sort of didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. But it does have relevance to what we're watching now in WandaVision. And I do like uh, the only, I think the only vibranium ever freely given was Cap Shield. Yes. Um, Both in the movies and the comics, because there's a really fucking cool Captain, like a, you know, flashback Captain America series where like Steve Rogers 
I think it's Steve Rogers and T- not even T'Challa's father. So it would be his grandfather. Mm-hmm. Like the Nazis try to invade Wakanda. Like they find out the secret of Wakanda in this, I think it's like a four issue miniseries. Um, it's really fucking good. It's just, it's just basically Steve Rogers learning how to hunt and stalk being taught by like the black Panther of how to do this shit. It's a really fucking good comic. And the gift is vibranium. Um, Interesting. Also quick little side note. If you get a chance buy the graphic novel, black Panther by a doom war. It was a mini. It was like a kind of a crossover that did not do well because I think it was a crossover right when like another major Marvel crossover was happening. It was basically it was basically Black Panther versus Doctor Doom, and Ooh. Doom is Doom is able to take over Wakanda, and at the time the vault that holds the vibrant well there was political infighting in Wakanda and Doom takes advantage of it, so he basically takes over Wakanda and they're like we're not worried because. You know, it it takes someone of like pure of pure of heart and intent to even access the vaults to get to all of our vibranium. And T'Challa's attitude is like, that's not what it takes. It takes someone who believes at their heart that they are right and doing what is best for the world. He believes that. And there's a scene where Victor Von Doom like strips down and they're like, he can't, he just literally goes into the vault and just walks in and he's like, see? Oh, it's really good. It's called Doom War. You got to check it out. It's it's solid. Um, but before we wrap up, I just want to talk about really quickly, which it could, it could whatever. Um, it was announced a few days ago that being produced by J.J. Abrams, uh, Warner Brothers is planning what they are calling a reboot of Superman, but written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I think is fucking fantastic mm-hmm. um i'll be i mean it's very likely that means cavill's out and i'll miss cavill because i think he never got a fair shake at a good superman and he is a good superman he's a good clark kent he was just an awful superman movies um so i'm bummed out for him you know and maybe tana he's is going to be like no it's not a reboot i'm going to say okay what happens to clark kent and superman after he's done some things that isn't really very superman-y but you know what? There's also a place for where Tony C. Coates can really can really yet again take Superman back actually to his roots. You know, when Siegel and Schuster made Superman, they were just a couple of, you know, Jewish kids in Cleveland. Uh-huh. And Superman's kind of, you know, outsider immigrant status reflected their own attitudes towards their own existence at the time. And that's kind of been forgotten in a way. Um, in the, in a modern era, Tony Easy Coates can write about the fact of like, okay, I am not an immigrant. I was born here, but I am very much an outsider in the country that in, you know, in, in, enslaved our people to build it, and I am still not welcome. He is. Uh, an excellent voice for that type of uh, yeah, and I and I heard some points like, oh god, another reboot. We don't need it. Blah, 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 blah. And why are they hiring this guy? I'm like, a, he's not only one of the most eloquent and gifted and intelligent writers of of the modern era, but I can't think of a better writer who could personify a character who is all about truth and justice and morality, like 
I get chills thinking of him channeling this this character as a as a moral cipher that we need to see. Mm-hmm. And he stated he stated he is a Superman fan. You you can't believe in the inherent goodness of humanity one day and not be a Superman fan. And I I like you that can, that's why he's also fan. writing Captain America. I mean hit that I mean if yeah, you I've heard I've heard things, him you Captain love America's these characters. Been, yep. Really really good. Fantastic. And you know what? Fuck it. I know there's been rumblings about this and I'm down with it. Um I would love to see Michael B. Jordan as Superman. Um, I don't care the backlash that it will create. Um, but like, can you imagine the, it, you still have, you know, you know, kind of, you know, apple pie, Kansas, you know, mom, mom and pa Kent, you know, white farmers. You don't have to change the beginning. Ship crash lands, baby comes out. It's a, it's a black baby. It's a black Kryptonian baby. You've now added on all these things that the Kents now have to deal with and come to terms with with themselves. And therefore, you're pointing a mirror at America. Then there comes a time, if you want to really go crazy about it, especially in our current political and social setting, where Clark Kent realizes, I can't be hurt. I I live in small and middle America, and a few people are kind of figuring things out because I'm a black man in, in Smallville, Kansas, dealing with what would probably he'd still have to deal with whether or not he's the last son of Krypton or not. And if he gets pulled over, like the cops can't hurt him. He knows that they don't know that the cops can't hurt. No one can hurt him. They can hurt Martha and Jonathan though. So then there's another reason why he leaves Smallville. It's like, I, the best way to protect my family and make the world better is to leave them. And now I have to make things right with the world. So I, there's a lot that can be done with this, and I'm super jazzed at the at the possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that Superman's having a little bit of a moment now, just because of the CW show and just how overwhelmingly positive. So much fun. The you guys fan watched reaction. It I, I cried so much. All I did was cry for an hour and a half. I watched the first one. It's airing right now. That's why I'm, I'll watch it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um. Did you did you not like? I'm assuming you liked it then, Cable. Yes. Oh my God! It's Bean. Did you watch it? I haven't seen it yet. I totally forgot it was out. It's so good. Norm, I'm assuming you liked it, or I I've seen clips of it. I have not fully watched it yet. I knew in the first five minutes that they aired on YouTube that I was going to love that fucking show. (laughs) I just knew. I don't. I don't really care for the actress that plays. uh, You know. Tyler Heckler's Lois Lane, but I like Tyler Heckler. Uh, he, was, he was Hecklin, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bitsy Tuller. Yeah, I don't uh, care for her. I I find her weird, and I don't know why. Um, well, first of all, her eyes are too far apart. But I, I will say that Bitsy Tuller's um, Tuller's uh, depiction of Lois Lane matches Tyler Hecklin's uh, performance as Clark Kent and as Superman. Like they are, they are a perfectly matched acting team to play those two characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like for whatever whatever individual feelings I have about mm-hmm. about uh, Bitsy Tulloch, um, they they have excellent chemistry and timing 
So I, yeah, I mean, I, I intend to watch it. I just sort of dropped the ball so far. Yeah. Um, I like that so far on that show, the brothers are not being set up as adversarial. I mean, there's always going to be some kind of brotherly conflict. That's just the nature of family. I will say I was really hoping like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And so far they haven't. Mm-hmm. They've shown what could happen and then they pull away from it. Like, nope. I was like, oh, thank God. Um, I am curious about Captain Luther. And uh, Joe Illich posted something about it the day after the episode airs. And he's like, all right, so your villain is a black Lex Luthor. Please tell me you have some black people in that writer's room. Because uh, if you don't, you're going to get it wrong. Interesting. I didn't so. know that. Yeah, I'm wondering if this is not some shades of Red Sun. That if this is not a Luther from the future who has gone back. Hmm. But No idea. But yeah. I'm interested in finding out more. Either way, we've been going on for a while here. But anyway, yeah. I, just, I just wanted to get out the, my thoughts on the Ta-Nehisi Coat Superman. Um, I hope Warner Brothers doesn't take the chicken way out that I've read. Some people suggest they could do to avoid, consp- you know, cons- not conspiracy, um, controversy, and just say, well, let's just make it an Elseworld Superman. I'm like, no, don't make it Superman. Mm-hmm. Well, it can be the whole line about like, well, it'll confuse people. I'm like, you know what? We got two Batmans right now. We've got Keaton and we're going to have what's his nuts in the Batman. We're going to have two Robert flashes. Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Almost, almost two of everything except for movie Wonder Women. Correct. So don't give me that shit. Yeah. So anyway. Stop yeah. rebooting shit then if you're so worried about confusing people. I mean, you got to reboot it when your stories are garbage. <laughs> yes. Or maybe but, go tell different stories. Yeah. Or at least oh, move, well, move past the fucking origin story. We didn't talk yeah. about it. We texted it right after the show. We got, and we do have to fucking wrap it up. Jesus. Uh, we're getting a Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle, which is awesome. So cool. I I kind of can't wait for that. Yeah. It's a good team on it. I do hope they bring in John Rogers a little bit, just to, if if nothing to give advice, because um, his instincts on making that on my on Jaime Reyes were just on point. They were great. They were. And John Rogers is a good guy. I've never heard a bad tale told about that guy. So, eventually, that means one day you're going to see a Detective Chip movie written by me. And on that note. <laughs> I love Detective Chimp. Want Detective Chimp? A Detective Chimp and the Demon movie working together. There you go. That's an odd couple. And on right. that note. All right, fine. On that note. Uh, is it next week that we're having on one of the co-creators of Crow and Coyote? Uh-huh. We talked about it, and I think it's tangentially in the catalog. Catalog. Um, calendar. You mean tentatively? That's what I meant, tentatively. Uh, I don't remember putting that on the calendar. This is behind the scenes stuff, but regardless, congrats to them. I think they're already at 400% of their goals and it yes, launched 12 damn. hours ago. It did. Uh, Guardian Games also became a backer today. Yay! At the retailer not, level. Not next week, but the week after, the 16th. He's not going to fucking need us at all, but I want to talk to him anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, super pumped for that book, that game. Looks amazing. Hmm. Uh, well, on that note, as Norm walked away, um, I know. 
I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Vinarita. And I'm Cable Hashtani. And we will talk to everybody next week for the last WandaVision. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Okay. Bye.